0: listeners welcome back to unleash the goats where we unleash ourselves upon the star wars franchise with reckless abandon and nobody quite knows what we'll say next least of all us i'm nat she her angela say hi hi i'm angela They. she her sugar say hi hi i'm sugar she her uh, excellent we are talking about a really obscure character today so if you're not if you're a casual fan like me, you might not have heard of him. His name is Anakin Skywalker. <laughs>
1: He's really, really, really obscure. He's
0: really obscure. He doesn't really play a huge impact. <laughs> this is only in, like joke. one or two things. <laughs> yeah, I've made me laugh. Before we really get into it, do we want to just like lay the ground work? Like, do you two want to talk about your relationship to the character, or do we want to just dive right in? Um,
1: we can for on. my sanity. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that.
2: We've kind of mentioned this, I think, in the original episode. So if you don't remember what phase in my relationships are to Anakin Skywalker as a character, please go rewatch episode one.
1: Yes. (laughs) Go re-listen. Essentially, this episode is my baby because I love Anakin a lot. And I really wanted to talk about how his characterization changes depending on what you're watching like his character is different in the prequels versus the Clone Wars versus the O3 Clone Wars versus the originals so I was like really insistent on this episode and Sugar being the delightful human being she <laughs> has humored me and letting me record this episode with y'all I love that
2: it's an important episode we all have a lot to say even if it's not always the same thing <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes for the to put the listeners at ease know that this is all in in good faith and good fun and we have differing opinions, but we still all love each other, and no one's actually mad. And if you hear a murder on Mike, I did my no, best you didn't. to mediate. <laughs> if you hear a murder, no, you didn't. <laughs> Similar to, if you see someone stealing food, no, you didn't. No murders have <laughs> happened on Unleashed. the Post. Okay, let's start out with some spoiler alerts, because I lied, and Anakin's actually in a lot of things. <laughs> It's only the Skywalker saga. Yeah. No, he's, I don't think he's a Skywalker though. That would be crazy. <laughs> spoilers for the prequels. Obviously, we already did a prequels episode. So if you still haven't watched them, why are you here on this podcast?
1: But you're welcome to stay. Yes. We love you.
0: I hope that you are having a great time here. Also, spoilers for Rebels. The Obi-Wan Kenobi show, which I think is just called Kenobi. Yes? It, it, no, it is yes. in
2: fact called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Damn!
1: Is it called Obi Wan? It Kenobi? is, in Why fact, called
2: Obi Wan Kenobi.
1: <laughs> hmm. I don't like that they did that. Actually,
2: I I don't either. For tagging purposes, it was really annoying.
0: <laughs> oh, damn! Which I still haven't watched. I think I said I was gonna watch it before this episode. R- you recording. might have. And I. No, you're
1: gonna watch it before didn't. the Obi Wan dive. Oh,
0: that's yeah, right. That I makes am more sense. for sure gonna do that. Also, spoilers: Tales of the Jedi, which I did watch. The Clone Wars, this, our notes say specifically Season 7. I I did put specifically
2: Season 7 because I think I was putting mostly Disney stuff, like trying to do the most recent stuff in here, whereas like the actual bulk of Clone Wars was done back in like 2014 or 2013 or something.
1: I see. Um, So we're not spoiler warning the first six seasons because if you haven't seen them, then like, sucks for you. It's been a fucking while.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You've had But we but we did mention spoilers for the prequels, so in in this sense like yes, spoilers for the entirety <laughs> of Clone Wars as well. Okay, excellent.
0: And also the Ahsoka show, which we did a full episode on and had a
1: great time. <laughs> what a life. What a life. I did have fun recording it.
2: No, it was great. We did have fun recording it. We didn't all have fun watching it.
0: No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Welcome to the Anakin episode. Um, sh- shocker, we've never done this before in any of our episodes, but we are going to talk about themes and messages and also <laughs> <answers> and motivations. <laughs> Who wants to start? Who has thoughts that they would like to share?
2: I can start. Um, so, Excellent. as people might be aware, if you've seen any of Star Wars, Anakin's a pretty important character to the story. Um, his, he, I mean, Star Wars is effectively Anakin's story. Um, And so his choices and uh, decisions and motivations are kind of the vessel through which most of the themes and messages are um, showcased. And so uh, those things are very important to look at and understand in order to understand what it is uh, his character is actually saying, or what Lucas perhaps was saying through him. So. Personally, I feel like the primary motivation for his choices is fear, um, because I think that like everything else, kind of stems from that, um, and in particular, like a fear of, of change, um, as opposed to something more specific. But um, like he's not just afraid of like, for example, Shmi dying. Like he's afraid that anything around him is going to change, that his life isn't going to go exactly the way that he thinks it will he's afraid of like a lack of control um over himself and the people he cares about and just his life in general and i think that that's kind of this primary motivation for basically everything that he does um is is this fear of change and fear of a lack of control and that's what leads to everything else it's what leads to his anger it's what leads to darkness and to the attachments and that desire that he has to basically just cling on to things and to people um, in the way that he does
1: I think there's a really interesting what they do with Anakin interesting him as this little slave boy in the very uh, in the first one in the Ventim Menace is really sets up like he comes from a very disadvantaged place like initially because he has this position where he has absolutely no control over his life Like, he does have more freedom, maybe, than other slaves do. We don't really know. We don't see a lot of other slave situations on Tatooine. Aside from,
2: like, Jabba's dancing slave girls.
1: (laughs) Yeah, aside from them. So, we don't know a lot about what slavery is like, or what his situation is like, comparatively. But we do know that, because of the situation where he starts, his fear of loss of control is a very, like, realistic and understandable thing. But what uh, sugar and i have discussed a lot actually is that he is given every single tool to overcome these issues he's given every single tool to let go of his fear to grow from those experiences and he never does because he has fallen into a comfortable pattern of i am so powerful now that i can fix this instead of just letting it go and like going with it and i feel like that is a very consistent thing for him throughout the series and why he makes such an interesting villain too because he's not a chaotic constantly in your face villain like Maul is, for instance, but he is mm-hmm. very much a always in control, always about making logical decisions. And that's what makes him
2: or at least what he believes are logical decisions.
1: Yeah, but like he's very predictable, as we see in Kenobi, right? Like Obi Wan knows him so well True. that he's able to predict him very well. Whereas like Obi-Wan arguably knows not as much about Maul or anything like that. But he also like knows Maul quite well and he's very rarely ever like, able to predict his decisions because Maul is so chaotic. But when it comes to Anakin, he understands him and he understands how he thinks. And that means that he can predict what he's going to do next. And at no point does he ever say, oh, I, can't, I can never predict that boy. He's always so unpredictable. It's like, no, Anakin's logic makes sense to Anakin. And once you understand his logic, everything else about his life makes sense. Because that's he always follows the same things. And he never heals. He never grows from that. He just lets it rule his life.
2: Until he does, arguably, but we're not really discussing the original trilogy in this particular episode. I guess we should have made that clear clear earlier on, is we're kind of looking primarily at the prequels and everything that's come out afterwards, just because Anakin's character isn't explored quite as much in the original trilogy because it's focused more on Luke. So we're looking primarily at the prequels, which is is more focused on fleshing out Anakin's character and telling us, Um, like we've been talking about sort of why he has done the things that he's done and what led to that and then um, looking at the things that came out since the prequels or in the case of the 2003 Clone Wars show during the prequels um, and how they sort of tackled the same issues and um, you know what they did or didn't change and how that impacts the story of Anakin so we're not really going to get into um, what happens with Anakin in the original trilogy quite as much but he obviously does kind of figure this out by the end and is able to do a little bit of letting go. um, Arguably. Arguably. (laughs) He lets go just enough, just Just (laughs) a a little bit, just enough (laughs) to, you know, uh, do what needs to be done.
1: I feel like what's a really important theme in the prequel specifically with Anakin is that he is a kind person. Like he is a sweet boy who ultimately lets his worst instincts rule him. And like, there are so many instances in the prequel specifically where they show that he is a kind person who has a lot of love to give. He loves people around him. He's not always very nice to them on occasion (laughs) because he's a teenager. And the second one, when we really get introduced to his like, Main personality, but he cares about them. Like, he refuses to leave Obi Wan behind, even though it risks both his and Palpatine's life. He cuts a pair for Padme, which I personally think is a very sweet moment when he, like, cuts her little pair and, like, sends it over with the Force. I think it's adorable. (laughs) It's so cute. I love it. Actually, people
0: make fun of it. I love it. I did not expect to have a strong opinion about something this episode, and we've just found it, (laughs) y'all. I have really strong opinions about that. Give us that opinion, Nat, please. Give us your opinion. (laughs) I think it's creepy as fuck. (laughs) 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 I hate that scene. I think that it's. Uh, That scene alone is probably fine, but the montage of their relationship, and we will briefly touch on their relationship later, but I just, I am not a fan of the two of them. I don't like the whole vibe of, like... I will just continue to kind of push you until you admit that you're in love with me. I think he should have given her a lot more space than he did by being like, I'm going to steal food off of your plate and then cut it and send it back to you. Maybe that's what it is. I'm like, if you fucking touch the food on my plate, we're done. And I'm never speaking to you again.
2: That's a fair point, I think, to make, though, that he is very much trying to flirt with her in that moment. And she's already said no more than once. Um, And he is choosing to ignore that by making another pass kind of within this this scene. I think, like, in a vacuum, the scene is cute, but it does represent another moment where Anakin is pushing that particular boundary.
1: Well, we're looking at it in a vacuum, because we're not talking about Anadala today, because that's not the point of the episode. The point is that Anakin, when he's trying to be sweet, is a very sweet boy, and I love him. He does. I think that is something that we touched on, too, in
0: our prequel episode, is about how, like from the very start they said Anakin is a person who is willing to make sacrifices for people that he loves and like within two seconds he goes oh you need help getting this part I'm ready to race for you like even though that's dangerous for me I want to help any way that I can and he just like throughout the series just makes really really bad choices and chooses wrong like a lot of times
2: Uh, Faye mentioned it earlier that Anakin is given a lot of tools to sort of work through some of the issues that he's got um, and you know that he and, and this isn't just from the Jedi like I think you're you're probably specifically talking about the, the training that he did get from the Jedi but he also was getting it from Shmi earlier on so even while oh, yeah. he was still enslaved we know that Shmi you know was kind of passing on certain uh, values and teachings to Anakin that Uh, were very similar and that he clearly you know absorbed to some degree but not not enough you know not enough to sort of really help him let it go by the even by the point of the phantom menace because he obviously is still struggling with a lot of stuff within the phantom menace Um, it, it is very core to anakin that he was a good person for a while but even by attack of the clones like he's already losing it you know he's already like Pretty much a complete fascist by Attack of the Clones. He's already like a couple of bad days away from child murder. Um, you know, that's still something that's very, very true about Anakin and Attack of the Clones. And that's kind of what makes it an interesting choice within the prequels. And one of the things that's more controversial about him, especially these days, is like how far he's already willing to go by Attack of the Clones and what that says about him as a character in terms of like how good ev- is he at this point you know how much of that compassion that he used to have has he already lost um you know how much is left of him to save already
1: well as you were talking about um his mom and i love the last moment he has with shmi in the phantom menace when she tells him to not look back to go and don't look back and the f- one of the first things we learn about anakin once we were reintroduced to him in the attack of the clones is that he has been thinking about Padme every day for the last 10 years.
2: <laughs> yeah. He, he <laughs> looks back a little.
1: So he has been looking back a lot. We learn yeah. immediately that he was told this. It was a very significant moment for him to not look back and to move forward. And one of the first things we're told about him in attack of the clones is that he has not done that at all. He has not been internalizing these lessons at all. He has been very much listening to Palpatine who talks about, you know, his life and his previous life and his mistakes like, he brings up the past a lot. Palpatine does. It's one of his favorite things to do. And he's not listening to Obi-Wan who's always trying to talk to him about the future and like what he can do to be better and to improve and like be more thoughtful. And I just, I hate Palpatine so much, (laughs) but I also really like that. They are very consistent with his characterization, in the prequels and showing like, this is where he's at. And like, this is what he's doing. They don't always do it well, but they are always very consistent.
2: Uh, Just to clarify, you mean you like the consistency in Anakin's characterization?
1: In the prequels.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just, I I was unclear about whether you meant Anakin or Palpatine's characterization.
1: Yes, yes. Well, Palpatine never changes. He just sucks.
2: Palpatine never (laughs) changes, but to be fair, that's also a good thing. It's good that he's also consistent.
1: Yeah, he just, he just sucks the whole time.
2: He just sucks the whole time.
1: Let's talk
0: about the, when we say 2003 Clone Wars, for my own
1: edification, what does that What are we talking about? Oh, go ahead, Faye. I get to tell everybody about this. Okay, the best thing that has ever existed in Star Wars, aside (laughs) from Andor and Rogue One and a bunch of other things, but one of the best (laughs) is this delightful cartoon that came out in like 2003 called Clone Wars. And it was intended, it's like an early version of the show that you probably know as The Clone Wars. It's like two hours total, and it's a bunch of like shorts in this beautiful 2D animated style about The Clone Wars and what the Jedi did during them. And for, go watch them if you haven't seen them. They're all on Disney+. Plus. They're so fun. And the style is really fun because you can see how the st- animation style in them shows up in the Clone Wars 3D animation later, which is very interesting. But they start basically right before Anakin's knighting as a Jedi knight.
2: Yeah, set like immediately post-Attack of the Clones.
1: Yes. And then they continue basically to right before Revenge of the Sith starts, like right up through the invasion of Coruscant onto the a ship. It's yeah, like and when Grievous attacking,
2: uh, Grievous kidnapping yeah. Palpatine. We see how that happens.
1: Yeah, they're great. They're so fun. There's a really good one that is just Mace t- just absolutely wrecking the shit out of like a thousand droids. It's a fantastic scene. It's just like 10 minutes of him destroying droids. It's beautifully animated i love it so much
2: like sans lightsaber too like he's just using the force, the force. basically and like some that. hand-to-hand cool. combat it is exactly what ezra bridger should have been looking like in the ahsoka show and and didn't
1: yep yeah, it's beautiful i love these so much they don't have a lot of characterizations of clones which is like one of their flaws but they are really fun to watch and then like see how they influenced a lot of the clone wars show itself um, but one thing I really like about them is how they have characterizations of Anakin versus the characterization of Anakin that we get in the Clone Wars show themselves, because I feel like there's a lot of differences there, because the 03 Clone Wars were overseen a lot by George Lucas, like he was basically the one who made them and wrote them and did all of those things. He was a lot more involved with them than he was in the Clone Wars show, though he was still involved with that, obviously.
2: Yeah, he's pretty heavily involved in the 08 Clone Wars as well. Which obviously decanonizes a lot of the 03 Clone Wars.
1: Yes, it does, unfortunately. But, um, the. What was I going to say? Oh, um, he. These these were in production and came out while Attack of the Clones was like in the process of coming out and before Revenge of the Sith came out. So they suffer less in terms of characterization as, um, as like fan reactions. Like, I. We're going to get into this in a second, but the Clone Wars um, characterization of Anakin is often in reaction to how fans saw Hayden Christensen's performance. So it was very derided at the time because a lot of people really didn't like his performance as Anakin. They didn't feel like he was a good character. They didn't feel like he was a person who could turn into Vader. And obviously we know that they are wrong. But because of that, because of the backlash, Anakin's character in the Clone Wars is very action hero-y. He's very like, oh, we have to fix this character so we're going to make him more of like just angry and obnoxious and flirting with everybody and hot and like just your classic action hero type person. Whereas in the prequels and in the O3 Clone Wars, he's more of like a whiny teenager who deals with a lot of fear and is going through a lot of shit and is trying to deal with all of that. And I think that the O3 Clone Wars does that better than the Clone Wars does because there's less of like trying to fix his character as he, in response to the backlash
2: yeah I've, I've only seen i think about half of these episodes because i believe i was watching it before it was on disney plus and i was trying to watch it on youtube and so it was uh, i think i like lost the ability to get some of them and i just didn't end up, ever end up finishing it but um you mentioned here in your notes too that like he is pretty fucking whiny in this one like even possibly even more so than he is in uh the prequels themselves
1: oh he's a bitch to obi-wan too like he's awful to obi-wan initially there are fun scenes later on but in the first like couple episodes he's just such a jerk <laughs> yeah pre nighting really
2: like they have a really pretty negative relationship um and anakin in the 03 clone wars just from little little i remember he's he's it doesn't come off quite the same way he does in the prequels where like, he does seem to have some level of competence. <laughs> um, this, the, the O3 Clone Wars seems to kind of like really emphasize that he's just a whiny little teenager, which sort of makes the bit later where Obi-Wan's like, totally, he can be knighted. He's super ready. Seem unearned. Um, but uh, it's, it's an interesting choice. And I I do feel like that at least, Whoever was animating Anakin, and we'll get into designs and stuff later, perhaps did not care for Anakin very much.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah. like he
2: doesn't come off well. He doesn't. I mean, he, for, he does not look very attractive, and certainly does not look like Hayden Christensen. But um, it it does not feel super accurate to Anakin that he's just very negatively portrayed, and there's none of that feeling of like there's still goodness left in him. He just comes off really like an asshole there's not a lot in there that feels like I need I would want to root for this person um, well I
1: do have to push back on that a little bit because that is true for the first bit where you saw but in the latter half he does actually get to grow there is a whole thing where they meet a group of people who have had all of their like essentially men folk taken away it's a little bit of a racist story I'm gonna be honest because there's a lot of like noble savage archetypes being happening it's not my favorite But the characterization of Anakin in that episode is that, like, he is able to understand these people in a way that um, Obi-Wan, who's also there, is not. Like, they're very much put in comparison here. That, like, Obi-Wan is trying to connect with them via words. And Anakin is able to, like, understand how they're feeling. And it's interesting. I don't know if it's super accurate to Obi-Wan, but it is an interesting characterization of Anakin, who then goes and risks his life and loses his arm to save these people and bring all of their people back. Um, Who then... it's, It's a very, like metaphor foreshadowing thing where like the menfolk have essentially been turned into monsters but they come home and their family doesn't recognize them anymore but one of the children recognizes her father and accepts them back into the tribe essentially which is a very heavy handed foreshadowing for Luke and Anakin's relationship later on in life but it's very sweet I really like it
2: yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't finish the show, but just within the uh, the first half or so, like, he, he doesn't come off very positively. Yeah, um, they
1: lean a little too hard on, like, dumbing him down for the first bit and then yeah. to try and build him up in the second half. And I think they, they could have done a more subtle job, but it is for children, so, you know.
2: It is for children, <laughs> but I would say that that first half doesn't feel accurate to how Anakin was portrayed, even within Attack of the Clones, where, like, yes, he is full fascist here, but, like, he isn't all bad all the time. Yeah, yeah. there is still supposed to be parts of you that kind of like recognize that little nine-year-old from before, and I think that is there in in Attack of the Clones more than there than it is in the beginning of the 03 Clone Wars.
1: Okay, in the 08 Clone Wars, uh, his characterization in the Clone Wars is so fucking inconsistent. It drives me absolutely insane. They're just like, yeah, he's just angry now. He's just angry now, and he's really hates um everything. And then the next episode, he's just like chill with everybody. And then the next episode, he is arguing with Obi-Wan for the entire episode. And then the next episode, him and Obi-Wan are best friends. And it drives me absolutely insane because I need them to be consistent. I know this is a problem with The Clone Wars in general because The Clone Wars is a very, like, serialized show. Episodic, yes. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. It was a very episodic show. And so you don't get a lot of, like, growth over the whole season it's just what suits the story at the time.
2: Yeah, there's no impact of things that happen in one episode on the next episode, or one arc yeah. to the next arc. Sometimes there's obviously the the larger arcs later on in the seasons, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's there is a lack of consistency because they don't have any serialization happening, which is a little sad.
1: It's very frustrating. And so while I understand that a lot of people really like The Clone Wars, I personally have a very hard time watching it just Because it's so inconsistent with the characterization. Like I really, really, really don't like it. When him and Obi-Wan have a fight about Obi-Wan faking his death. And then two episodes later, they're best buds. I need them to have conversations. And when they do have conversations, they immediately get shut down. Because that's their characterization of Anakin. That he doesn't want to talk about his feelings. And like, while that is accurate some of the time. I feel like it's not accurate all the time. Sometimes he does talk about his feelings with Obi-Wan. Like, there's a whole scene in Attack of the Clones where he tells Obi-Wan that he is the closest thing he has to a father. It's a very personal, like, uh, interchange. And then we don't really get anything like that in Attack of the... Uh, not sorry. In the Clone Wars, they just just do away with any kind of emotional vulnerability for Anakin. And it's very frustrating.
2: Clone Wars just feels like a direct sort of reaction to that and, and um, trying to make him more likable. Which leads us to... Uh, Disney and how Disney is kind of handling Anakin in the years since uh, since Clone Wars and since Anakin and Hayden have kind of become a little bit more popular. Uh, one thing that I've noticed about Disney's uh, choices in, in how they handle this is that they are doing it, their discussions of Anakin seem to happen primarily through proxies and um, Like Ezra in Rebels, you know, like, I know a lot of people make comparisons between Ezra and Luke, and that's, that's fine. I get why people are doing that. But I feel like Ezra, um, actually kind of works better as a parallel and a foil to Anakin, that a lot more of his story kind of relates to, uh, Anakin's story and the ways that Ezra makes the opposite choices from Anakin. Um, you know, that with kind of similar circumstances in that he had a very difficult childhood um, where he was very alone and very abandoned um, as a kid, uh, but then gets picked up sort of late and a little bit later in life by a Jedi and kind of, you know, gets that uh, connection to their, to that, well, what little community uh, is left. Um, And, you know, I mean, he literally even does have Palpatine commit. This is the spoiler for Rebels, by the way. He does get, like, Palpatine coming in at the end, giving him an offer to bring back somebody from the dead, two people from the dead. And he has to choose not to, you know, give in to temptation. Um, and uh, and then obviously you have uh, Reva um, in the Kenobi Show. Obviously, Anakin himself is in the Kenobi Show, but I feel like more of the sort of discussion of Anakin actually comes through Reva herself and the, the ways that Reva is making choices, her motivations behind it. And the fact that she obviously ends up making the opposite choice as Anakin by the end that he, she chooses not to kill the innocent child. And then in in the Ahsoka show, we have Sabine and all of the selfish choices that Sabine makes in the show. Um, And so I just think it's interesting that Disney has chosen to kind of discuss Anakin through these proxies and these parallels with other characters as opposed to kind of actually showing him uh, and discussing him more directly, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, like, even in the flashback episode that we see him and Ahsoka, there's a lot of, like, dancing around the issue. Like, even the, the Anakin is like, oh, is that what this is about? Like, he just doesn't want to talk about it. He just doesn't want to bring it up. He's annoyed that Ahsoka is, like, still mad at him. And then they just never bring it up again.
2: Yeah, it's the only show, well, it's it's one of the very, very few times recently where there's been no Order 66 flashback of any kind. They
0: said, that's not up to us. <laughs> they were like, that's not our job.
2: <laughs> we're yeah. just not
0: going to touch that. <laughs> Which, in some ways, I kind of get
2: because it is the Ahsoka show, and we obviously have gotten to the two Clone Wars episodes completely dedicated to her experience of Order sixty six. But it did feel a little weird.
1: Yeah, it definitely implied there because like all the clones are there, obviously, but it, they don't actually show it, which I kind of appreciated. I was getting tired of the flashbacks.
2: I feel like you could have discussed it a little bit more directly, though. I think like we've we've discussed the Ahsoka show; we don't have to get into that. But <laughs> yeah. Um... yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to relationships?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, the last thing I'll say about Disney is that I think Disney is taking a much softer approach to Anakin in some ways that like we're seeing, or at least the Ahsoka show was taking a much softer approach to Anakin um, in that Anakin's choices and agency are kind of taken away from him in some ways, whereas through characters like Ezra and Sabine, you do get the emphasizing of the message from the prequels that Anakin's choices are his choices, and they are his fault, and you can always make different choices. With Ezra, it was like, it doesn't matter how much shit you went through in your past, you know, or how many people you've lost, it is still your responsibility not to fuck everybody else over, you know, for your own selfish agenda. With Reva, you get the message that, like, it doesn't matter how much darkness you've already done, it doesn't matter how much evil you've already... Um, committed, you know, you can always be better. And then you get to the Ahsoka show, and they, like we're saying, they kind of don't really address uh, the terrible evil things that he's done. And I just think that this is a very different sort of perspective on Anakin, and obviously it's the same creator as from the 08 Clone Wars um, that already kind of softened Anakin um, away from some of his more uncomfortable uh, traits, and so we go from the Clone Wars, where he just kind of is this weird, charming, suave, likable, but sort of angry character, to this very sort of Jedi-critical version of him that um, sort of tries to claim that he's, like, not super responsible for his own choices, and it, it that the good stuff about him over, outweighs the bad things that he's done to the point that they almost don't matter. And I think that that's not my favorite direction that they are taking with him. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. And with that, we can move on to his relationship with Obi-Wan.
1: I love his relationship with Obi-Wan because it's so complicated. Like he's his father, he's his brother, he's his best friend. Like he's his master, he's his partner. Like their relationship is so complicated and they're so intertwined, but a lot of it is very like, implied. Mm-hmm. Aside from the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, there's very few times where we see them working in concert together to accomplish something. Outside of
2: Clone Wars. We do see them do that a couple times in Clone Wars. Yeah,
1: Sorry, in the films. <laughs> in the films, uh, Revenge of the Sith is the only time we have a scene with them where they are successfully being competent together and working well together. And aside from that, we don't get a lot of build up with them in The Phantom Menace. They just get to meet and Obi-Wan doesn't approve of his master bringing him on And then the next time we see them, like, they clearly, like, have kind of a tense relationship. But they also are really important to each other. Like, I just, they're really good. I love them so much. But also, I need more of them. And, like, every time, we we do get more of them in the Clone Wars. And then Anakin's not consistent. And Obi-Wan's also not really consistent. Obi-Wan is kind of, like, just uh, lets Anakin do whatever he wants in the Clone Wars. Which has always been very weird to me. I feel like that
2: it, he he doesn't so much in the beginning. There is like a development of their relationship in Clone Wars, although it because it's so episodic, it's a little bit hard to pick up on sometimes. But like towards the beginning, he is actually more strict with Anakin than he's uh, been before, and uh, or than, than uh than he is later on. And you know, we do see sort of a softening of of Obi-Wan towards Anakin, and I think that we'll get into that a little bit more in the Obi-Wan episode, but um, that that kind of goes towards, uh, you know, Obi-Wan choosing to have more faith in Anakin and pull back from his sort of helicopter parent uh, characterization from Attack of the Clones and give Anakin a little bit more independence now that he's been knighted and he's kind of proving that he can handle the responsibility, which I like, I um, do
1: like that. I wish we'd gotten to see the knighting in the Clone Wars. I wish that had been, like, a little bit of an episode for them. Like, maybe, like, two or three episodes spent on, like, Anakin being approved to be knighted and how that changed their relationship. Like, we get a tiny bit of it in the old three Clone Wars, but it kind of sucks and it's weird. I mean, I do like the fight with Ventress that he has that gets him ready for knighting where they, like, finally finally him to be knighting because he has defeated this lady. But... I wanted there to be, like, an actual good build-up to that in the actual Clone Wars. I was looking forward to that when I heard that there was a TV show about it, because I'd seen the original Clone Wars, and then it just wasn't there at all. They just skip over it, and it, it's annoying to me.
2: Yeah, I don't mind losing the nighting, but I, I agree that, like, it would have been nice to know kind of what led to that, because it obviously does represent a lot of belief in Anakin himself. Um from Obi-Wan, especially after Attack of the Clones, where he kind of fucks up quite a lot.
1: But yeah, it would have been like a good like watershed turning point moment to be like, okay, this is like where the relationship starts to develop in this direction that you're gonna see in Revenge of the Sith. I think that would have been a nice transition thing instead of just being like, Oh yeah, they're just like this now. Like I wanna see it happen. That's the whole point of the Clone Wars is to see the Clone Wars and you skipped over like six months of it.
2: Yeah. And obviously, they're they're focusing a lot more on like how his relationship with Ahsoka sort of helps him mature and grow and change. And we'll get to the relationship with Ahsoka in a minute. But um, yeah, I think like Obi Wan and Anakin in the prequels. One of the things that really works for me about them is that they do feel so distinct as characters. They are in some ways total opposites, right? That Obi Wan, you know, is willing to push the boundaries and break the rules to a certain degree, right? That he like goes out to decks to get more information when the archives aren't working for him. And, um, you know, he, he, you know, kind of goes, goes and does his own thing sometimes, but always sort of within the boundaries of what it means to be a Jedi. Um, he never completely abandons his duty. Um, to the to the greater good and Anakin is obviously a lot more impulsive a lot more kind of emotion based in his decision making um Obi-Wan is sort of more steady while Anakin is is so much more fearful and I think that that's you know and Obi-Wan is suave right Obi-Wan is charming and that's kind of why a lot of people liked Obi-Wan a lot more in the prequels than they liked Anakin because Anakin isn't that's not at all what Anakin is he is awkward he is weird he is a dork and I love it He's a teenager. He's so sweet. It's good. Like, it's good that he's distinct. And I think it's an interesting place to take Anakin. But I think that there's a that's part of the reason that Obi-Wan kind of came off a lot better than Anakin did within the prequels, because Obi-Wan is more charming and more suave. And then in the Clone Wars, they decided that, you know, wow, people liked Obi-Wan a lot more than they liked Anakin. And all of a sudden, Anakin becomes, wow, so much more suave. Um, and so much more charming and funny, and he's got one-liners. When he he doesn't really have a lot of one-liners um, in the in the films, like you know he has some lines that people remember, you know. But he he doesn't do it the same way that Obi Wan does. In in the sense that Obi Wan has like the you know not to be worried, we're still flying half a ship kind of stuff. Um, you know, Anakin doesn't tend to do a lot of that, um, but. Uh, like, his his funniness tends to come from context more than it does that from him intentionally trying to be funny. And Clone Wars decides to make him funny um, and charming, and that's really just not his character.
1: They essentially just, like, combine their characters. They make Anakin more like Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan way more like Anakin. And it's a little bit frustrating.
2: It is because part of the reason that they're so interesting as a duo is because they were always set up from the beginning to be foils for each other. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the Obi-Wan episode, but he, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are supposed to foil each other, which requires that they be kind of different. Um, and shockingly. Cl- shockingly. And uh, the Clone Wars kind of made them too similar for me. And I wish that they'd been able to find a way to kind of showcase their relationship you know, and their friendship in a way that did not, you know, smooth them out to the point of basically being the same characters.
1: Yeah. Like I wouldn't have minded if they just like picked up traits from each other, you know, like if they were just like, started do like it would have been fine if Anakin had been a little bit more suave and like was clearly learning from Obi Wan or like if Obi Wan was like a little more like reckless and like was clearly like picking up traits from Anakin. That would have been fun. But they went way too far with it way too fast. There's no like development of it. They just like suddenly are like this.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um did you want to talk about how they come across in 03 Clone Wars, since you're the one who knows it better.
1: Um their relationship is just kind of, like, in the beginning, it's just very harsh. Like, Anakin is very mean to him for, like, really no reason. And then there's a very cute... Okay, there's not actually really a lot of development in it, except for some of the same, like, thing in The Clone Wars, where, like, they just really develop it. They're just, like, suddenly like this. But there's a very cute scene later where... <laughs> They're in the rain and they're complaining about the... Obi-Wan is complaining about the conditions because they've clearly been in the rain for a while and it's very miserable. And Anakin comes in with, like, a bowl full of bugs and he's like, guess what? I got dinner! And Obi-Wan's like, I hate you. And he's like, yeah, but I have food! And they just eat bugs together. And it's very cute and it's one of my favorite scenes because they're just, like... They just know each other really well and they're they're clearly having a good time together even though, like... Anakin is pseudo, uh, pseudo just being annoying, and uh, Obi-Wan is pseudo being annoyed. And it's just a really fun scene for their relationship. And I wish that all of their relationship was more like that because it would make me like them more.
2: This is the scene that fan- people most seem to remember because the whole Anakin eats bugs thing has ended up in nearly every fic I've ever read <laughs> set within Clone Wars that has Anakin in it.
1: Uh-huh. Because it's very funny and it makes perfect sense for him. He's exactly the kind of person who would eat bugs. <laughs>
2: Um, and then since we're kind of heading towards the end, I just wanted to touch a little bit on, on Disney and how we feel their relationship has sort of been built in Disney. Obviously, most of this is going to be existing within the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I think, obviously, the, the Disney uh, stuff, because the, because the Kenobi show is kind of a big uh, homage to the prequels with the same actors, we end up getting a very similar dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um,
1: arguably better. I really like the relationship in Kenobi. I think it's done very well. I like how important they are to each other, while also maintaining the like depth of emotion that on Vader's part is very much like curdled into hate and on and Obi-Wan's part is very like sorrowful. But like I think they really get the depth of emotion that's there in between them really well.
2: Yeah, and they have the benefit of not having to portray it positively very much outside of that one flashback scene. Um, And so they can kind of hit on the, like, you know, this relationship has fallen apart, but it used to mean something a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But even just within that flashback scene, you do obviously have, like, a little bit of strife without making it actively antagonistic and hostile. Um, Yeah,
1: which I think they hit really well. I really like that flashback scene.
2: Exactly. I think that works really well to kind of represent that dynamic. And obviously that flashback scene is a little bit unclear in terms of whether it's a genuine flashback or not, but um, I think regardless of how what exactly it's meant to be, I think it hits that right note of like there is something here that was once very positive and even when they disagreed on something or whatever that like you know, the two of them were able to at least come to some sort of understanding and, and you know have a more positive relationship with each other. And I think it does hit that very well that like y- yeah, I guess it's just that Obi-wan is trying so hard to help Anakin and, and seize the potential that Anakin has, and that Anakin is kind of trying to meet him halfway, but that there is some part of him that is blocking him from doing so, and and that kind of struggle that always is in their relationship, and is sort of intrinsic to their relationship, and I really do appreciate that. Um, aspect of it in the Kenobi show
1: man we could talk about this forever because we could I could go into like the Harlow relationship is developed in the books too but we're not gonna do that we're gonna <laughs> we're not gonna do
2: that so we're gonna briefly touch on the relationship with Padme because like we've mentioned several times now we are planning on doing an Annie Dala episode so we're not gonna do like an in-depth uh, look at them but do you want to hit on uh, what the intention was behind their relationship in the prequels?
1: Yeah, I feel like the intention is really just to give Anakin something that he can't feels like he can't afford to lose. And I don't think they do it very well, but I think that (laughs) developing their relationship into one that means a lot to both of them. But I do think that they make Padme into an interesting character initially that you are attached to. And I think they do a good job once they're in the relationship of showing where the cracks are. In their relationship, it's the development part in the middle that's a little sticky, but <laughs> <laughs> a little sticky. That's such a kind way to say it. <laughs> I'm a kind person.
2: <laughs> you are very. very You're so generous. much kinder.
1: Yes, <laughs> but I think that they, it, it ultimately, it works to make you sad at the very end for both of them because the relationship was a disaster from start to end, but. <laughs> So I think that part, like, they, they they, they did do a good job making you sad, but I think that they didn't do a good job making you actually want them to end up together.
0: Yeah, like, the intention was obviously not for him to come across as creepy as I think he does come across. And <laughs> yeah, I get they- that, but I'm also like, mm, you did a bad job and I'm gonna judge you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we will get into, like, the intentions behind all of that jazz in Anadola, because we have a lot to say about them.
0: We do have a lot
2: to say. I think the theme that comes across most to me with the Anakin and Padme relationship is the very intentional subversion of a lot of romantic tropes, especially in, like, yes. you know, dr- dramas and stuff like that, that, you know... You always get this line of like, well, I would burn the world for you as this kind of very romantic thing to say to somebody. And Lucas is very intentionally putting Anakin and Padme into this position where they showcase why it's absolutely not a romantic thing at all.
1: Their characterization is even worse than The Clone Wars because like one episode, they'll be perfectly happy. And then like and just like super sweet. And then the next episode, they're like, oh, we're going to dive into the relationship now and show you all the cracks in it. But it's so soon for it, like, in terms of story-wise. Like, they essentially have Anakin be, like, a really controlling, jealous, abusive husband. And, like, Padme is ready to leave him. And then, like, two seconds later, she's super fine. And, like, two months later, she's pregnant. Like, the timeline that they give you in the Clone Wars for their relationship is absolutely bonkers. And I don't like it. I really, really don't like how they did their relationship in the Clone Wars. I feel like it's so they make Anakin into such an awful husband that it makes absolutely no sense why Padme would be happy to stay with him or even want him to run away with her.
2: Right, yeah, this is something that, like, I think is a problem throughout Anakin and Padme's relationship that it, it does feel very difficult to believe in them as a couple because they, you know, even in, in Attack of the Clones in particular, too, like, Nat said that he comes across real creepy. And um, so it's it's very difficult to understand why Padme is willing to do anything with him why she likes him at all and I don't think Clone Wars improves on that very much
1: no and I think they had the opportunity to which is why it frustrates me because I feel like they could have built out this relationship they had the time to and they decided to make it weird (laughs) and sad and I'm like I don't appreciate you guys you guys could have done a good job with this and you decided not to
0: they're just like Anakin (laughs) they're like we have the (laughs) opportunity to make a good choice here and And make better choices and we didn't
2: (laughs) Um, is there anything that we want to say about how Disney has kind of represented the relationship? Obviously, this is, again, going to be mostly through proxies rather than directly, because obviously all the Disney stuff is, like, post Revenge of the Sith, pretty much. I don't
1: think Disney remembers that Padme exists. I don't think they even know her name.
2: No. Except for the Kenobi show.
1: The Kenobi show never once mentions her.
2: Obi-Wan is talking about her all the time in the Kenobi show. he
1: He talks about her to Leia. Yeah. That is the only time she's mentioned.
2: Yeah, but he does it more than once.
1: That's true. He does do it twice, but not by name.
2: Technically three times, because he does give the the thing at the very end where he's like, your mother was blah, 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 and your father was blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: that's
2: So there's technically at least three or four moments across several episodes where Obi-Wan is discussing Padme, specifically in relation to Leia. So do you want to discuss the relationship with Palpatine real fast?
1: Yes, I do. I really, really, really do... So Anakin's relationship with uh, Palpatine is one of the, like, most under-discussed relationships in the fandom, which frustrates me a lot, actually, because it is such an integral part to Anakin's fall and to his, like, life in general. Every single choice that he makes ever after the Phantom Menace is informed by his relationship with Palpatine, because Palpatine is his grandfather. He's the only people he trusts most in the world. He trusts him as much or more than Obi-Wan. He trusts him definitely more than Padme, because he's known him for... longer has a closer relationship with him like he trusts this man so much which is why when he's asked to spy on him in revenge of the sith he is so betrayed by that that the jedi would ask him to spy on one of his close personal friends and i feel like we as the audience who know that palpatine is evil don't see the impact as that as much but it's basically like if the council had asked Obi-Wan, had asked Anakin to spy on Obi-Wan. I mean, that would never happen because Obi-Wan's on the council. But, like, that is essentially the level of violation that's happening here for Anakin. And while there is, like, a level of, like, well, Anakin, basically, that's what Palpatine just asked you to do. He just asked you to spy on the council. Anakin doesn't see it that way. Because Anakin trusts Palpatine and believes he has good intentions. And from his point of view, Palpatine has every right to know what's happening in the Jedi. Like, he doesn't understand why the jedi don't trust palpatine because he trusts palpatine so much. And so when he's asked to divide his loyalties like that, it's such a contradiction for him. He cannot hold it in his head even though like he's made a contradictions because one of these people have to be correct. And how is he supposed to choose when he has known he has known palpatine, he has known the jedi for so long and they've both done so much for him. And ultimately he goes with the one that selfishly is going to help him more with padme because that's the breaking point right and everything that he does ever is informed by palpatine because every time he talks to palpatine palpatine does, says some shit and then Palp- <laughs> anakin internalizes that and then it just shows up again later in the in the movie or media or tv show or whatever because anakin trusts palpatine so much that he bases his entire worldview on anything palpatine says I wish people talked about him more because it's such an awful relationship. It's so bad. It's so toxic. He is being abused for most of his life and it never gets better until he chucks that crinkly old prune into a pit.
2: The thing about their relationship too and his, the comparison between his relationship to the council and his relationship to Palpatine is so interesting because they're both authority figures and Anakin's reaction to the Jedi council is initially so hostile for like no good fucking reason. And yet his relationship to Palpatine always seems to be very positive. And I do think that there is something about um, how the council is always very honest with Anakin about his flaws. Because that's, yes. that's that's their job, right? They are effectively trying to help him by going like, dude, you know, own up to your <laughs> flaws, you know, admit to being... Fix your
1: shit, Anakin. Fix it.
2: Right. And not even just fixing it, but just at least being honest about it, you know, that they call him out immediately for lying to them or trying to lie to them um, about being scared or about missing his mother. And, you know, that he is so hostile to just the concept of having to talk about it and the council never, like, try to pump him up or anything like that. You know, they're just honest about, you know, his flaws and, uh, you know... What that means for him as a Jedi, whereas Palpatine is consistently always, you know, sort of encouraging Anakin's. God, what's the right way to say this? Baser just, qualities. I was yeah, baser qualities, but also just like his own view of himself as special, specialer, you know, than everybody else. That he kind of encourages Anakin to believe that he is above you know, any sort of criticism of his character. Um, And like, oh, you don't like them saying that, you know, you should be honest about your fears? Well, you should never have to be honest about your fears. You're right, Anakin. And who doesn't like being told that they're right all the time, you know? And so I think that there is this level of his relationship to Palpatine where he prefers Palpatine because Palpatine is telling him he's right all the time, telling him that his emotions are right all the time, whereas the Jedi are taking the more healthy track of, you know, praising him when he does well, but also, you know, letting him know when he's not doing well.
1: And there's this transition thing that happens from, like, Anakin in The Clone- in the Phantom Menace where he's this very confident child who, like, understands his abilities very well to Anakin in Attack of the Clones who is deeply insecure. Deeply insecure. And I feel like the Jedi are not to blame for that character development.
0: Interesting, but the Jedi are the bad guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think that just to kind of actually get back to your comment about the, the, uh, the council asking him to spy on Palpatine is that that's, that's why he responds so differently to Palpatine asking him to spy on the council without actually explicitly saying so, uh, versus, uh, you know, the council, you know, more explicitly saying, we need you to spy on Palpatine. Like, they are very honest about what they're asking him to do. Exactly. And Anakin doesn't react to that well. Whereas the way Palpatine phrases it is like, I am just giving you exactly what you want. I'm giving you what you deserve. And all I ask in return is that you just kind of help me out a little. But this is this is for you. And you know, like, he phrases it in such a way that Anakin doesn't really recognize it for what it is.
1: Yeah, Anakin doesn't see shades of gray. He sees black and white, and Palpatine presents this to him as a white cake that is delicious and good for you. And uh, the Jedi are very honest, like, this is something that sucks, and we're asking you to do this, and we are sorry that it sucks, but we need this from you. Yeah,
2: like, this is for the greater good. It's not for you. You know, it's never about, it's not actually about you. And they're also honest about the fact that, like, you've kind of betrayed our trust already by accepting this this position because we don't think you're ready for it. We wouldn't have chosen you if we'd been given our druthers. And this is a way that you can kind of prove yourself to us again. Um, Prove that you're not just loyal to Palpatine above everything else. And uh, he also doesn't take that well, because that's also a criticism of his own character. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's a major aspect of that kind of part of the story, um, is that it's not just that the Jedi are asking him to do something terrible, because they're not but that, you know, Palpatine has intentionally, you know, warped the way Anakin thinks about the Jedi and about himself um, in order to allow Anakin to accept this ask without realizing what it is he's doing, whereas the Jedi are so honest and so, you know, so much better (laughs) about it that Anakin obviously does pick up on what they're asking him to do and is like, so black and white about it like he said that he's like well obviously this is bad you're asking me to do a bad thing they're like yes (laughs) you
0: know like yes but the alternative is, is worse let's just because we are shocker running out of time we've never done that let's just briefly talk about like the differences if there are any between his relationship with ahsoka in clone wars versus in the disney shows which i imagine would be mostly in the ahsoka show we did talk already about how they didn't talk about order 66 very much that like while it was cool that they got a flashback episode and we all got to love on hayden again he's so pretty we've talked about the ahsoka show a lot so maybe let's focus more on clone wars oh that's a good point yeah
2: we can also talk about rebels because there is a ton of stuff in rebels okay thank um, you yes Uh, I have not
0: seen Rebels. But obviously,
2: let's start with the introduction of Ahsoka. Obviously, Ahsoka was not in the prequels, which means that Ahsoka, inherently as a character, is irrelevant. And this is important. (laughs) Ahsoka is is very
0: important. It's so
2: important, and Filoni doesn't like to remember it. Somebody tell
0: Dave!
2: No No one one tell Dave
1: that you can just cut Ahsoka (laughs) out from his story, and it makes no difference. It
2: makes no difference, because the story was already done, and so inserting Ahsoka into it changes very little. Um, and that's kind of part of what makes her interesting, if you choose to look at her this way, that she is irrelevant to the story, that she has this positive impact, obviously, and it, it adds perhaps some nuance and stuff to Anakin's maturity between the films and some of his choices later, but that it really logistically changes very little. Ahsoka was never going to be able to save him. Ahsoka is not the reason that he falls. She's just irrelevant. She's just kind of there as this sort of little added extra nuance that exists if you want her. Um, and I, I do think that she was there intentionally to try and explain why Anakin seems more mature, even though this is one of the places where you can say, time passed, that's the explanation. <laughs> you know, It's been three <laughs> years. He's matured a little because he got a little older.
1: Yeah, I think that adding in a Padawan does soften Anakin in a lot of ways and shows in some ways what he would be like as a father which I think is very sweet but I feel like they never did enough for the relationship because often when we're seeing Ahsoka centered episodes she is separate from Anakin or when she is there when it's an Anakin focused episode she is off to the side like doing something else there's not a lot of episodes that focus on their relationship except for the episodes where she leaves the Jedi.
2: I will say that they have more about it early on, which is part of the reason I I like the earlier episodes more. Um, Like within the first two seasons, you get a lot more of their relationship and how their relationship impacts both of them. But by like season four-ish. Even
1: um, by the end of season three.
2: Even by the end of season three, you're starting to have Ahsoka get so independent that yes, she often gets separated from Anakin Um, in her centered storylines whereas and and, you know that she's kind of a side note in anakin centered episodes
1: which is kind of a shame because she is an interesting character and i wish there was like more of their relationship i also wish there was more of her relationship with obi-wan but that's a separate
2: (laughs) that's a separate thread yeah (laughs) and then um in rebels if we want to jump to that real fast in the last couple seconds here um, I, I do think that they try to portray it really positively in Rebels, obviously Rebels also a Felony run show, um, much like uh, the Ahsoka show was, although he did have a writer's room on Rebels um, that he did not have in the Ahsoka show, so you get a little bit more nuance uh, to it. But Ahsoka in Rebels, you know, is still very p- positive about the Jedi as a whole. Um, You know, she talks to Yoda. She remembers Obi-Wan and Yoda giving her advice. She's got this positive relationship to Kanan, um, you know, and kind of doesn't mind being associated with Kanan as a Jedi, usually. Um, And so her relationship to Anakin is much more about, like, her guilt over having left him and the possibility that she might have been part of what drove him to darkness. And obviously, we as the audience know that this is completely untrue um, but uh, you know, she she remembers him very fondly because she's struggling so hard with the, you know, realization that he might have and, and is be, um, Vader um, she tries to deny it for a really long time um, right up until she can't, you know, right up until she kind of uh, slices off a piece of his mask and she can't deny it anymore and she sort of Loses herself in that confirmation. Um, I've always thought it
1: was very interesting that um, Anakin, uh, Vader, whatever, refuses to tell her straight out that he is Anakin right up until she slashes his mask open and like finally Mm -hmm. like says her name. Like he likes to feed into her not knowing who he is for sure. He likes that. He enjoys that like game of. Um, cat and mouse that's going on with her emotions because at this point he is so vindictive and so miserable that he just wants her to be just as miserable as him and he knows it pains her to do that and it's such like an interesting dynamic for them where he is still withholding information from her and like trying to like get her to figure it out on her own but now it's in like a sick twisted way
2: that's a really interesting way to view it I don't think I ever saw it that way It's it's not Like inaccurate that that he might be doing something like that too. I think I saw it more as fear on his end of what her reaction will be to discovering him, and so he'd rather try to pretend that Anakin is dead, that he's the monster who killed Anakin, and so you know in his head he can kind of continue to separate the person that she loves as the you know the good person, the hero, and and you know that the monster that she hates is somebody else maybe or something. But I think it's interesting this idea that like he is intentionally fucking with her because he kind of wants to fuck with her.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, it, I definitely see that there's elements of both in there. Like I like I like that too, because I, I feel like there's definitely like a lot of that there because he likes to separate out himself from before and himself and now. Yeah.
2: That's something so, that's even in the original trilogy, obviously. Yeah. But like, you yeah. know, I no longer go by Anakin Skywalker or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like it's definitely some of both in there because he also just like likes to toy with his food. That's like a yes. big thing about Vader.
2: And then I think you get something very similar with the clones, just to kind of keep us moving, (laughs) Um, with the clones. And obviously Rex, specifically, that like in the prequels, he really doesn't have a relationship to the clones. Unlike Obi-Wan, who we see um, working with them more directly and speaking to them and calling them by name, Anakin never actually does that. Like, in the Invisible Hand battle, um, when they split off, you know, all the clones follow Obi-Wan, and Anakin's just off on his own showing off. And then, you know we never see Anakin interacting with his own battalion, whereas we see Obi-Wan, you know, directly talking to Cody and planning with Cody.
1: Until the March on the Temple, at no point do we see Anakin interacting with clones that can be classified as people under his command. In, sorry, in Revenge of the Sith.
2: Yeah, in Revenge of the Sith. Um, And, like, there's certainly nothing friendly between him and the clones. It's always just Anakin using them you know because that's that's all we ever see him do is him using them as his personal weapons to take down the jedi
1: yeah because we Um, don't see him interacting with them directly until after his fall
2: yeah and so i think it's very interesting that in clone wars they chose to give him a positive relationship with the clones and you know um specifically with rex obviously but you know we also see fives mostly um, interacting with him positively, a little bit of echo later on, kind of interacting with him positively. Um, and uh, because that just makes that betrayal later just even so much more uh, uh, impactful, um, that he had this relationship with them that was seemingly relatively positive and and friendly. Um, you know, he's not always thinking about them... As much as he should be as their uh, general. Um, you know, he's not necessarily the best general out there, but he seems to be treating them relatively nicely. Um, they seem to consider him a friend most of the time, but, um, you know, it, it just makes that betrayal all the more personal uh, later. And then, of course, you do get You know, in in Rebels uh, specifically, you do get Rex talking about him so, so positively (laughs) all the time. He cannot fucking shut up about how great General (laughs) Skywalker was. And and granted, Rex does not ever find out, as far as we're aware, that Anakin became Vader. So as far as he's concerned, Anakin was killed tragically along with all the other Jedi. Um, And so, you know, he has no reason to say anything negative. But I just think it's interesting that he has nothing negative all or even just neutral to say about anakin that it's always this really effusively positive uh kind of stuff whereas like you know rex is is positive about anakin in clone wars but like i think rex does recognize that anakin has flaws (laughs) and it would have been interesting i think to have rex kind of be a little bit more honest about anakin um in rebels
1: anyways um (laughs) moving on to the design aspects of Anakin. We're not going to talk about Vader because Vader's appearance changes very little. All they do is, like, move the lights around. And I think they make him a little narrow for Rebels. But the design choices for Anakin specifically are so fun because, first of all, I love that they put him in those, like, cool black leather talberds. They were like, we have this beautiful 19-year-old man. Let's put him in clothes that makes sure everybody know he has a narrow waist. <laughs> and I love that. Have you guys ever seen the, um... The potential hairstyles that they came up with for Anakin in Episode Three because oh, they were bad. There's one version where he has a like a really bad mohawk and like a r- weird like ponytail on the top of his head, and there's another one where he, he just he just has like one long braid. It's really <laughs> terrible. We're so lucky to get his beautiful mullet that we do get. I'm so happy that they gave us that and not whatever the hell they were thinking
2: (laughs) with those. (laughs) glasses. I think that they made a lot of really interesting choices for Anakin's appearance within the prequels. Like, I think they, they have clearly made it very intentional that he's supposed to be attractive, right? Like they wanted him to be this beautiful Lucifer fallen angel kind of thing. And God, who was it? I can't remember if it was Lucas or someone else who kind of talked about how they wanted him to be kind of at his most attractive on Mustafar, where he's sort of at his lowest, darkest point.
1: And they succeeded.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And this is one of the very few places where I'm like, yes, it was important for him to be attractive because there was this clear intention behind the, like, why they wanted him to be attractive that impacted his character. That like he does need to be considered generally attractive so that you have that kind of message being sent that like he was a good person, he was this beautiful fallen angel, and he's almost kind of like at his best when he's at his worst. Um and I just I just think that was a really interesting choice for them to make. It's 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 kind of reminiscent of like the Gaston and Beauty and the Beast sort of thing that like, you know, the outside doesn't always match the inside sort of deal, but I, I do think it's a very interesting choice for them to have made um, about him. And obviously you have the the darker clothing and the shiny leather and stuff and obviously there are plenty of Jedi who wear darker clothing. Um, I've seen people going like, oh, how could the Jedi not have known that Anakin was dark? He's wearing dark clothing and it's like, tons of Jedi wear darker clothing.
1: They're um, in space. The space is cold. Dark clothing is warmer.
2: <laughs> Luminara is wearing a whole black dress, you know, like It's not uncommon for Jedi to wear darker clothing, but I do think it was a very intentional comparison specifically with Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan's got very light-colored clothing, and so I think you have, again, like the Obi-Wan and Anakin as foils themselves, and also the leather, you know, that he's got this kind of stiffer, shinier uh, texture to his clothing, um, as opposed to the sort of softer um, textures that you see on most of the other Jedi.
1: Yeah, there's definitely callbacks to his armor in his silhouette of his clothes, especially in mm, Yeah, Sith, that too. Where, like, even his hair kind of mimics the helmet shape, which is very fun. I really, really enjoy that.
2: We can discuss how fuck-awful Rebels' version was.
1: I <laughs> have blocked that from my mind, actually. I hate it so much. They make everybody else in that show so pointy and narrow, and then they're like, what if we made him round? flat. It's Anakin so is weird. a
2: plastic doll in Rebels. It's very funny, but it's very offensive.
1: He looks more like Ryan Gosling than he does Hayden Christensen.
2: I will take your word for that.
1: And for um, the record, that is an insult for me, because I don't think Ryan Gosling is very pretty. Lovely man, not very pretty.
2: I won't tell him that when I see him this weekend, or tomorrow, no, actually. Oh
0: my god, what did they do to Anakin in Rebels? <laughs> That's not First a First time person. seeing it? Yes! <laughs> Oh, I hate it! Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's they real clearly bad. did not have a lot of
2: like time or resources to spend on what is a very, very short scene that that, that uh, model had to be in. So he ends up looking very bad, probably because they just you know whipped it together in about five minutes. But <laughs> yeah, it's not great.
1: It's horrific. For some reason, in the 03 Clone Wars, they give um, Buzz cut Anakin a butt chin. It's such a weird choice. It's so random. Like Hayden does have like a tiny bit of like a dimple on his chin, but they just like ratched it up to like a thousand in the Clone Wars, O three Clone Wars for some reason, and it's a wild choice. Uh, and his cheeks are like giant; they're like huge and like baby fat. It's so weird that his design does does get better when they like transition into. um or long hair Anakin. Also, if you ever want like the barest hint of where his scar comes from, there's like a tiny scene in the O3 Clone Wars of uh, him coming back from a battle and Padme touching his face and being like, oh, baby, you have a scar. That's the implication of the scene. I so think interest saying, oh, gave no him panic.
2: the scar. So. In O3.
1: So kind of. Because the scenes are kind of sequential, but it is not clear the Ventress giving him the scar is canonical in a comic does not happen in the O three 3 clone wars. Hmm. So he defeats, he defeats Ventress and then he does not have a scar on his face. And then he still has his short hair and then he has the nighting scene. And then like uh, two or three scenes after that, he comes back from a battle to his apartment with Padme and she touches his face and he like looks away really dramatically. Like it's fine, baby. It doesn't hurt. Um, and that's all you get from the scar. The only other thing we know about the scar is that Clo- Luke, George Lucas was like, I don't know, maybe he slipped in a bathtub.
2: Shower. Candace slipped in the
1: shower. Yeah. So, there you go. That's that's all I have to say about his appearance. Other than that, he's a beautiful man, and we all should appreciate Hayden Christensen. This is a random aside, but I really enjoyed that Anakin and Padme both have, like, curly to wavy hair, and their children have the stickest, straightest <laughs> hair, Straight hair ever seen. Ever. their hair is so straight it, you, they couldn't get it any straighter if they took a hair straightener to it it's very funny to me
0: <laughs> sometimes that just happens
2: the grandparents and see if I'm pretty sure the grandparents probably have straighter hair so it just skipped a generation
0: yeah recessive gene
2: we're gonna look at the impact of the clone wars on Anakin as a character and um, the Skywalker saga as a whole kind of through Anakin
0: Faye, do you have thoughts?
1: Oh, I have so many thoughts. I have deep, deep, deep thoughts.
0: (laughs) Can you share them quickly?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can. (laughs) Well, okay, so I feel like there's a general consensus in a lot of the fandom, not all of it, but a lot of the fandom, that the Clone Wars fixed Anakin's character. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes around fixed Anakin's character because his characterization of... The fearful, emotional teenager in Attack of the Clones and then being so emotional and open about his emotions in Revenge of the Sith was so unpopular. And so the general consensus is that he is better in the Clone Wars, that like fixed him and people like him better after they watch the Clone Wars. And I hate that. I think that Anakin's character of being a very emotionally vulnerable person who has a lot of fear and has a lot of anger that he is not willing to let go is a fascinating choice and is really, really interesting and makes him one of my favorite characters because he's so complicated and them just erasing all of that in favor of like basically Tom Cruise and every action movie he's ever been in is so boring. It's so bland. Like if you want to see that, then just like go watch mission impossible 16 and you can get your fix there. There's Leave 16 my of those fucks? I was exaggerating. <laughs> I was like, there's but how like, many of them? There very well could be. Let's be honest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not to mention all the Fast and Furiouses that are currently out.
1: No, because actually, I would disagree with that, because in Fast and Furious, they're very emotionally vulnerable. They,
2: But there's a lot of them, is what I was saying. There there's are a lot of them. those.
1: There's like 10, and they're putting on another one. But Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My point is that... People have because they have this perception of Anakin from Clone Wars as this like badass action hero. That's how he often gets portrayed in fan media, in fan fiction, in people's headcanons of him, in their edits of him, in their like cosplays, like all this jazz. And like, it really bothers me because I think Anakin is one of the most complex characters in Star Wars. Obviously, we have a lot of time to him to develop that complexity, so like, th- it's hard to compare, but. I don't like that so much of him gets erased in fandom and I feel like people should pay more attention to the fact that he is a vulnerable boy who gets manipulated into this awful position where he has only bad choices and makes the worst one and screws up everybody's lives for a really long time and that is such a cool character to have that we don't pay enough attention to because people get distracted by oh he's just a hot action hero like no he's hot but also he's emotionally complicated (laughs)
2: I think uh, my frustration with the impact of Clone Wars is that it, it softens Anakin so much that, you know, over time we've kind of seen this characterization of Anakin kind of go from Lucas's like, he was a good person who let fear and selfishness consume him to the point that he was willing to... You know, fuck over everybody he claimed to care about, and, uh, you know, that that's that his, this being his choice was such an important aspect of his character to the more recent characterizations of sort of erasing a lot of his own agency um, by making that um, selfishness and anger um, and darkness sort of almost intrinsic to his character as opposed to something that he allowed to exist um and obviously this is most obvious in the ahsoka show but it is it is there in rebels it's starting to make its appearance in rebels um you know it it exists within clone wars especially by the end when you you know when they came back uh for season seven and i just think it's it's sad kind of like Faye was saying that it removes a lot of anakin's complexity which removes a lot of the complexity of the whole theme of star wars you know about how like you can always choose to be good again, yes, but you can also choose to always be bad first, and that Anakin chose to be selfish um, for a large part of his life, and that's so important that he chose that, that that was something not necessarily that he wanted, but that this was something that he was willing to do, that there's a lot of really nasty shit he was willing to do for his own selfishness, and that that wasn't romantic, it wasn't good but it also was not intrinsic it was just a choice he was making and it's a choice that we can all make um and i think you lose a lot of that by kind of softening some of the more uncomfortable parts of his character
1: yeah definitely agree natalie did you have any final thoughts i just
0: i agree that sounds right to me (laughs) (laughs) like yeah you're probably
1: correct (laughs) i
0: appreciate that i'll take it
1: beautiful um, for your final goat fact for the evening, if you guys are ready, was yes. born ready. Goats are more emotional than people realize. Not only are they surprisingly intelligent and can learn a task within about twelve attempts, they also identify their friends by sound alone and can distinguish other goats' emotion by listening to their calls. Isn't that cute? That's so That's cute
0: More emotional than people realize, just like Anakin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I noticed. I noticed the you know intentional theming of that yeah. fact.
1: Yes, I did I did pick it on the angle.
0: Beautiful. (laughs) Our intro and outro music is Moss Isley Cantina by Speed Kicks. Angela and I edit, our artwork it's by me, and Sugar is our writer and researcher. You can find us on Instagram and Tumblr at Unleash the Goats. Thanks for listening.